thank you so much for joining us today. And by watching that video, you can probably tell we are starting a new series today called Emotions. Where are your feelings taking you? And uh, I love that video because you got all the emojis going on. And by the way, I just love emojis, don't you? I just love using them. I've got you know, kind of my favorite emojis that I like to use, um, kind of the, uh, I like the fist bump and the cool shades one, and, and sometimes I use the wide-eyed one, but I also have to admit, I've got some of those weird customized emojis that are supposed to look like you, but I don't really think they look like me that much, other than Liz likes the hard eyes, okay? Uh, but emojis, they're, they're a part of our life, and yet, where do they come from? Well, back in 1999, a Japanese engineer named Yoshigitaka Kurita was tasked with developing a communication tool uh, using icons, and he created the first emojis. In fact, the word emoji are two Japanese words put together. E stands for picture, moji stands for character, so really word pictures, and he created 176 of them. Today, we have over 1,800 and probably growing by the day. And, and so you're probably asking, why do we need 1,800 emojis? And the simple answer is emotions are complicated. <laughs> they just are. Knowing your emotions, understanding your emotions, communicating your emotions is a very, very complex thing. Hey, take it from me. I'm a father of daughters. And many times when they were growing up, I'd say, why do you feel that way? And they'd say, Daddy, I just don't know. And, and the answer is they really don't know. And you and I don't know often why we feel the way we do. We don't know how to communicate our emotions and really what we should do with our emotions. The fact of the matter is you've probably been feeling a lot of emotions over the last month. And as I've talked with many of you and I've had lots of conversations, uh, all I hear is a lot of emotions. Some of you have told me you feel guilty because you're trying to keep your job afloat but, or your business afloat, but you've had to furlough and lay off some people and you feel guilty about that. Others of you have said you just feel sad about uh, what's happened and, and just a kind of this foreboding sense of grief. Uh, others of you just feel angry and you're just irritated at why this isn't over and why can't we get back to work and why can't somebody fix this problem? So we have all these emotions. So what does the Bible say about our emotions? And what do we do with them? And how can we honor God even with these wide range of emotions? So that's what we're talking about in this series. And today we're going to talk about God's solution, God's answer to fear, worry, and anxiety. So if you got a Bible, why don't you open it up with me and let's take a look at God's word just like we do every single week. Open up your Bible to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four is where we're gonna be today. And let me just kind of catch you up to speed. The apostle Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, was radically transformed by Jesus, um, is writing a letter and he's writing a letter to a church in a town called Philippi. So it's called the Philippians is the name of the letter because it's written to the people of Philippi. And uh, he's writing in a very difficult circumstance. I mean, he is in a position of fear. He's in a, in a situation of uncertainty. He's in prison. He's in prison and he doesn't know if he's going to survive. He doesn't know if he's going to make it out alive. And so in this prison cell, when he could be completely overwhelmed with worry and anxiety, he writes this letter, and this is where we begin to read in Philippians chapter 4, 
beginning at verse 6. And he says this, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, here's Paul, and he's writing to these early Christians about worry. And the first thing right out of the chute, he gives this just very direct statement. Look at it again. He says, don't worry about anything. In other words, uh, another way you say it is, be anxious for nothing. That's some versions say, be anxious for nothing. And you're probably thinking, well, what do you mean, Paul? I mean, what do you, what do you mean, don't be anxious about anything? That, is that even possible, to not be anxious and not be worried? I mean, how, how can you say that, do not be anxious? Stop worrying. How can you even say that? Well, when you look at the word worry that's used there, it's really interesting. The word worry there literally means to be pulled apart or pulled or ripped in different directions, to fall to pieces. And he said, don't let the circumstances of your life pull you apart on the inside. You ever felt that way? Ever felt pulled in multiple directions? Well, what if I do that? Or should I go this way? Or should I do that? And what if this happens? Maybe I should do this. And we're constantly torn up on the inside. Listen, you know that you're pulled apart when you wake up and the clock says 1.15 in the morning and you can't shut your mind off. Or you roll over and it's 3.30 in the morning and, and you just are watching the night drift away because you can't sleep because you have so many things on your mind. Let me ask you something. What's, what's keeping you up at night? What's tearing you up on the inside? What are the things that you think about nonstop and you can't shake? The Apostle Paul said, whatever that thing is, don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. Or you could say it this way, be anxious for no thing. Now, you're probably saying, well, that's easy for you to say, right? It's easy for you to say. You just be anxious for nothing. Just stop worrying. But I can't do that. And it is easy to say it, right? It's easy to say, well, stop worrying or trust God. Uh, just, just shake it off. It's easy to say those things. It's really hard to do those things. And especially when you're wired to worry. Some of you are that way. I mean, just go ahead and admit it. Uh, some of you are just wired up to worry. Worry is your spiritual gift, all right? It's what you do best. You're not JV. You're varsity when it comes to worry. In fact, uh, if you weren't worrying right now, you would start worrying about what you're not worrying about, right? That's you, all right? Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, that's, yeah guilty as charged. That's me. Uh, some of you aren't really the worried type, but... Because of all that's happening around us, well, it's easy to worry. And so what does Paul say about that? Listen again. Be anxious for no thing. Be anxious for no thing. Don't worry about it. Why does he tell us that? Why does he say stop worrying? And here's the reason why. Because worry is toxic. It really is. Worrying will will destroy you on the inside in a lot of different ways. For example, uh, 
worry will tear you up on the inside uh, physically. I remember when I was in college and uh, I was so stressed. It was my last semester of college. I was in the class. I was over my head. I had to make a certain grade to graduate. And I was having to get a tutor. And I was putting in extra hours. And I was so stressed. And I can remember just not being able to sleep at night, my stomach hurting, and being so worried. I remember one time when I was in grad school and I was so stressed. I was working two jobs and I was married and going to grad school. And I, I was running. And I remember my heart started beating so fast it just wouldn't stop. It was just beat, 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 beat. And, and finally, I go to the doctor and I said, Doc, what's wrong? And, and he listened to my heart and he said, are you stressed about anything? I said, yeah, I'm stressed about everything. And I remember him saying, Craig, listen, because you're so stressed out, your body is responding to that stress. Listen, your body pays the price for your worry. For some of you, you're losing sleep. For some of you, you're losing weight. For some of you, you're losing your hair. I had a friend of mine that his hair literally pulled out and, and some of it turned gray because of incessant worry and anxiety and stress. Some of you, it's the opposite. I mean, you, you, you eat every carb in sight, right? And, uh, and you're, just, you're just constantly on the move and constantly moving around. Listen, worry will kill you physically. You pay the price for it. But worry will also harm you emotionally. Listen, it, it, worry is, is terrible on relationships. It is hard on relationships. When you are constantly overcome with worry, uh, you will be irritable one minute and snapping somebody's head off, and the next minute you're depressed and you're isolating and you're not talking. And then you start to try to find ways to cope with your worry, and, and that can lead to all kinds of bad habits like indulging in alcohol or popping pills or overeating or undereating or, or overexercise or underexercise or all kinds of extremes that are dangerous to you. Worry is toxic. But listen, more than your physical health, more than your emotional health, it is really toxic to your spiritual life. You know, Jesus was talking about this one time and he gave this parable about a sower who goes out to sow seed on the ground. And he said, some of the seed falls and begins to grow up, grow up quickly, but the weeds that are there just kind of wrap around it and choke it out and make it unfruitful. And then he says this, he said, the weeds in this parable represent the cares of this world and the worries of this life. See, worries, if you allow them to wrap around you, will eventually choke out the things that God wants to do in your life. It will actually choke out your spiritual growth. Listen, you can't worry and be full of faith. You can't worry and be bold for God. You can't worry and be the person God created you to be and redeemed you to be if you're allowing worry and anxiety to control your life. And so this is why the Apostle Paul says, stop worrying. Don't worry about anything. Uh, be anxious for no Thing because worry is so toxic. In fact, Jesus in, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, uh, he talks about this, or Matthew 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Life uh, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? I mean, basically he's saying, listen, don't let worry control your life. Listen, worry doesn't have to win in your life. You don't have to give in to this bully 
call anxiety and worry. You can actually see God overcome it and, and change you. And, and instead of worry, you can learn to experience God's peace. And you say, man, how do I do that? How do I experience life like that? Well, that's really what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage. How do I experience worry? And some very practical things. But before I dive into the practical things, I want to show you something that's really important. So look back to your Bible. I want you to look down to verse 7. And I want you to circle the words, uh, peace of God. You see that there? Just circle those words, peace of God. And then I want you to uh, go down to verse 9. And I want you to circle the words, God of peace. See that? I want you to circle those words. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw a line between those two circles to connect them together. And then I want you to write this on the margin of your Bible. And here's what I want you to write down. You will never know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. You will never know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. You see, peace is a gift from God. So many times people tell you, oh, well, you know, you can have peace uh, by looking within yourself. You can have peace if you just do some breathing exercises. You can have peace if you just do some coping mechanisms. You can have peace if you exercise a little bit more, eat a little healthier, uh, get more sleep, you know, turn on the fan, put something over your eyes. You can do all these things and you, that'll give you peace. But those things will never give you peace. This world can never give you peace because it doesn't have peace to give. Peace is something God gives you. I'm talking about real peace, lasting peace, sustaining peace in the midst of a world crazy with worry. That's what God wants to give you. In fact, that's what this world is looking for. I mean, when everybody's pulled apart, when everybody's stressed out and worried, they're looking for some answer. Is there anybody else that's not falling apart when everybody's falling apart? Is there anybody that's not stressed out when everybody's stressed out? And listen, the world isn't really interested in us when we sing about the Prince of Peace if we're allowing worry and anxiety to wreck our lives. You may be really going through it right now. You may be just so stressed over this virus or so stressed over your job or so stressed over just having the kids at home and trying to office at home and, and all that that presents or the uncertainty of the future. And listen, I perfectly understand. Listen, uh, uh, just confession time for the preacher. This has been a stressful time in our house too. I mean, I've got uh, one daughter that was supposed to be married in May and now we're pushing that back and all that that brings and the anxiety and uncertainty of the future. Uh, that has its own worries of its own. I have another daughter that lives in New York and you know what's happening up in New York right now with the virus. And so there's a lot of opportunity for us to be anxious or worried, but we're learning how to exchange our worry for the peace of God, and you can too. That's why God wants in your life to experience his peace even in the midst of a world full of worry. So how do you do that? Well, let me give you just some very practical, three very practical things I want you to jot down uh, that come right out of this passage. The first thing I want you to write down is this. Turn self-talk to God talk. <laughs> Turn self-talk to God talk. Now, uh, you ever talk to yourself? I mean, come on. 
You talk to yourself, don't you? I, I, sometimes I'll be walking around the house and there's a guy, who are you talking to? I'm like, I'm just talking to me, all right? I, I hear it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself, all right? But uh, yeah, we talk to ourselves and, and the more we talk to ourselves, we usually talk ourselves up into more and more worry. Well, what if this happens? What am I going to do then? Well, what if that happens? What if this, this, doesn't, this goes too long? Or what if, what if I should make this decision? What if I should do that? What if I should do that? And the more I talk to myself, the more I verbalize my fears, the more worry overcomes me. In fact, I think about the worry all the time. I talk about it to myself all the time. And that worry moves from my head down to my heart and sinks into my soul. And I'm overcome with the worry. You know, that is exact opposite of what we should do. You say, well, what's the alternative? Well, instead of talking to yourself, why don't you just talk to God? In fact, look at uh, verse 6. He says, but in everything, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You've got to turn your self-talk, oh no, what am I going to do, to God's talk. Oh God, what am I going to do, right? God, uh, instead of saying, well, what, what's going to happen here? I say, God, what do you think is going to happen here? God, what, tell me what I should do. And then all of a sudden, I'm just taking my word, my verbalized concerns and anxiety, and I'm turning them vertical, and I'm turning them into a prayer. You know, this is really what uh, Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Once you get this picture... This picture is like uh, you, you have this big bag, this heavy weight on your shoulder, right? And it's all your concerns and your worries. I mean, you can name them off, right? Your worries about your family, worries about your health, worries about your job, worries about the future, worries about a lot of things that you have on you. And it's this big, heavy, heavy weight, and you're burdened down by them. And he said just to roll those burdens onto the back of Jesus because he cares about you. He really does. God cares about you. And he wants you to roll those concerns onto him. Can you picture that? Can you see that? George Mueller was a pastor um, many, many years ago in Bristol, England, and he ran an orphanage. And so many times, I mean, they would be on the brink of starvation and running out of money and utilities being shut off and things like that. And he just had so much stress on him. And people would come to him and say, Reverend Mueller, uh, how do you deal with all this stress and all this anxiety and uncertainty about the future? And he would say, oh, I've rolled 60 cares on the Lord just this morning. He knew how to roll his cares on the back of Jesus. And that's really what Paul is saying. With, don't worry about it. Talk to God about it. Don't carry it on your own. Let him carry it because he cares for you. Through prayer, through petition, with thanks, thanking God for how he's met your needs in the past. With all these things, just roll them on the back of Jesus because he loves you. And here's the promise that Paul makes. He said, if you will learn this practice of when I'm worried, I turn it to God talk, I turn it to prayer, and I roll it on the back of Jesus. He said, that 
rolling it on the back of Jesus will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means that as you roll them on the back of Jesus, say, Lord, I'm worried about this. God, I'm afraid of that. God, I'm concerned about these things, but I'm rolling them on your back because I know you care for me and I know you can carry this burden and I can't carry it. When you do that, all of a sudden he begins to guard, to protect, to shield your heart, your emotions, and your mind so that you are not constantly bombarded by this worry. All of a sudden, there's something between you and your worry. There's something between you and the, and the wave of anxiety that's coming, and that is Jesus himself. Listen, if Jesus can say, peace be still, to the wind and the waves, and they are stilled, he can speak, peace be still, to your worried and anxious heart, if you will roll these concerns onto him. So what do I do? Well, first thing you need to do is you need to turn your self-talk to God talk and roll these concerns and these cares onto him. Here's another thing that you need to do, and that is displace worry with worship. Displace worry with worship. Look at verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Underline that, circle that, start. Dwell on these things. Now listen, worry can become a habit. It's just the way that you naturally think. You can naturally get in the habit of dwelling on the negative, dwelling on what's going to go wrong, dwelling on, well, I guess that won't happen, or I know that won't ever work out, or nothing ever happens good here. And you just start to dwell on always the negative and the fearful and the anxious. That can just become a habit of your life. And so you think about negative things and you think about worrisome things and you think about them all the time, day and night, day and night. You're constantly thinking about these worried things. You can't shut it off. And, and so it becomes overwhelming. And then these things move from your mind down to your heart and you start emoting like this is really going to happen. You get short of breath. Your heart starts racing. Your palms start sweating. All this is moving down into your heart and into your soul. And that's when worry has you in its grip, choking you out. And this is exactly the opposite of what God wants for your life. In fact, the opposite of this is what we call biblical meditation. Now, now follow me here. Eastern meditation uh, would be something like, you know, working on your breathing, slowing your heart rate down, slowing your pulse down, empty your mind of all kinds of things, or maybe think about some beach somewhere, you know, or, 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 or some calming scene in your in your life that you can conjure up in your mind that is not what meditation means from a biblical standpoint biblical meditation means to dwell on to fix your mind on the promises of god on the character of god on the words of god in fact uh, when joshua a great leader in the old testament was really a point of anxiety and worry. He was about to go in and fight a lot of battles and he had not been tested yet. He was very worried and anxious about it. And this is what God said to him. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you're careful to do everything written in it. And then he said, you'll go on and be successful. Notice what he said. Meditate on the promises of God, the commands of God, day and night. That's biblical meditation. Not when you 
meditate on your worries and think about your worries and allow them to move down into your heart and into your soul. No, no, you take the promises of God and you think about them day and night. You, you allow the word of God and the character of God and the promises of God to, to run in your mind. You replace worried thoughts with God's word. And then you think about it and you think about it and you meditate on it and you allow it to move down to your heart and you praise God for it and you pray those promises back to God and you ask him to just fill your heart and soul with the promises of God. That is how you replace worry with worship. Let me get even more practical for you, all right? Because you're like, okay, great. I'm supposed to do that. How do I do that? Okay, so here's some really practical tips, all right? Number one, uh, read your Bible. Read your Bible. If you're worried day and night, read it day and night. And don't just read it, but read it with a journal in hand. Read it with pen and paper in your hand and write down some of the verses that stand out. Pray over those things. Write down your feelings and emotions and what God is speaking to you in the word and journal these things down. You should be journaling right now. You should be writing God's promises down and writing down your emotions and turning them over to the Lord, rolling them over onto him. When you do that, then you're going to experience uh, God's peace. You're going to be meditating on God's word. Another way to do that is to memorize God's word. When certain verses jump out at you, man, put them on your refrigerator, put them in your car, put them on your phone. Start thinking about and memorizing God's word so that when the worry comes, you can quickly respond with God's word, which is powerful and effective. Another thing you can do, and this is a practical thing to do, is... uh, Turn on worship music. Allow just worship to fill your home. Here's another important thing. Turn off the TV. Turn off the news feed. All right, put your phone, I know it's going to be crazy, right? All right, don't freak out. Put the phone down, all right? Put it down. Look up, all right? Allow, allow things to settle, to be still, to be quiet, And then fill your home with worship. Fill your mind with God's word. Fill your heart with God's truth. Pray it back as your own personal prayer to God. You know, another thing you can do is you can just, uh, you can read God-honoring books. You know, books that stimulate you to love God. There are so many great books out there that, that build our faith and point us to Jesus Read these things, think about these things day and night. Dwell on these things, Paul says. And if you do, you'll experience peace. So, this is what we're doing in our house. You know, th- this last week, we've spent some time just no TV after a certain time of night and allowing things to be quiet and turning on praise music and maybe having a quiet time in the morning and in the evening and praying these concerns and journaling these things down. These are the things we're doing in our house. And as we do them, we find that fear fades and peace grows. You can do the same thing. So turn your uh, self-talk to God talk. Um, Replace worry uh, with worship. Let me give you one more thing. Very simple, practical thing. Do something for someone else. (laughs) Look at what he says in verse 9. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Now just look at those first five words. Do what you have learned. Just put what you know in action. 
In fact, one of the themes all the way through the book of Philippians that he has been talking to them about is not to think about themselves, but think about others. In Philippians chapter two, he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. See that? The best way that you can overcome worry in your life is to not only be talking to God and not only replacing worry with worship, but doing, actively serving others, doing things for someone else. And by the way, I have watched you as a church body doing this in some incredible ways. I mean, I've seen you uh, provide meals for nurses and doctors over the last several weeks. I've seen you uh, feed the hungry. I've seen our students uh, collect socks for the homeless. I've seen our children writing out uh, letters and drawing pictures for uh, the elderly in nursing homes. And I've just seen this outpouring of service to people in our community. And that is a beautiful thing. But I want to tell you a story about Jay. Jay uh, is a young man, lives with his uh, cousin. He's in high, Jay's in high school, and, and they both work to pay the bills. Um, and uh, Jay just kind of, he's struggled financially, of course, during this time. And so many of you have taken food to Jay and met him in his apartment and brought him food meals at least a couple times a week. Uh, in fact, one family in our church saw that Jay was actually walking to work. And so they bought him a bike. How cool is that? And he, boy, his eyes just lit up when they, they pulled that bike out of the car and said, hey, this is yours. And, and uh, now he has a way to have transportation to get to his job. And it's just a really cool story. And, and then another time, uh, some ladies met with Jay and, and they gave him some food and then they gave him a Bible. And the one lady said, do you have a Bible? And he was holding this in his hand. He looked at her and he smiled and said, I do now. And she told him how much God loves him. Another time, people began to sit, sit down with Jay and tell him about God's love and how Jesus died on a cross for him and that he could be right with God. And they prayed over him. And when I think about that story, I think about this, that the people that were ministering to Jay in that time were not anxious and they weren't worried Why? Because in the moment that they were caring for him, they were the hands and the feet of Jesus. In the moment they were doing that, were reflecting God's love to him and faith replaced their fear. Listen, when you think about others, when you give yourself away, you are allowing worry to be pushed out of your life and you're allowing the spirit of God to use you in a very powerful way. Hey, listen, worry is toxic. It'll tear you apart. Worry doesn't have to win. But here's the deal. For you to know the peace of God, you have to know the God of peace. That peace comes as a gift from God. So here's the real question. Do you know the God of peace? Are you dwelling with him? Are you drawing close to him? For some of you, uh, that's a heavy question because, frankly, you don't really know God in a deep and personal way. There's never been a moment in your life when you've given your life to Christ. And today is the day for you to do that. Right where you are, seated in that couch, right where you are, seated at your table, or sitting in your car, wherever you are, I want you to know something. God loves you. 
God created you to know him in a deep and a personal and an intimate way. And he loves you so much that when he saw you drifting far from him, wandering far from him, uh, rebelling and sinning against him, he sent Jesus Christ to this earth. And Christ came for one purpose, and that was to draw you back to him. That Jesus lived a perfect life and he died on a cross. And on the cross, all of your sin and all of your waywardness was placed on the back of innocent Jesus. And he died in your place. He died to pay the penalty for your sin. He paid a debt that he didn't know. And you owed a debt you couldn't pay. And, and Jesus paid for it with his own life. The Bible says that he died that day. That they buried him. But three days later, he conquered sin and the grave. He rose again and he said, if there's anyone who will turn to me, anyone that will reach out to me, I will give you peace. I will forgive your sin. I will make you right with God. I'll give you purpose and assurance for this life and the life to come. Do you know him? Has there ever been a moment when you've, you know for sure you've given your life to Christ? And if you do not know for sure, then today is a day for you to know. Why don't you just bow your head with me for just a minute? Just right, right now, while your head is bowed, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith to just place your trust in Jesus. And you can pray this simple prayer with me. Just pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on a cross for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Come into my life. Make me a new person. Today I choose to follow you. Thank you for loving me. Now just with your heads bowed, there may be some of you here. and um, You know, you're a believer, but you've allowed worry to win in your life. You've allowed worry to take some things away from you that God wants to give you, and that is his peace. And so right now, would you just pray a simple prayer and say, Lord, take my worry away. Just tell him that. Take my worry away and fill my heart with your truth, with your promises, and with your peace. Father, I thank you that you don't want us to live a life wrecked with worry. That we can know the peace that only comes from you when we come to know you personally. And not just to know you in salvation, but to walk with you every step of this life. So Lord, speak peace be still to our hearts. Give us your gift of peace. So that as we go into this week and go into this world, the people can see the difference that you've made in our lives. Lord, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.